So um, I wanted to try to start doing, I guess, a, a small subject for the cold open that kind of wraps up into the the overall feeling okay. of the podcast. And and I guess the one I really want to start out with is is movies that made us cry. Movies that made us cry. Oh God. You ready for my first one? The first movie I ever cried at and realized I cried because of the movie. That was going to be it. There's going to be what's the first movie you remember crying at? Grumpier old men. (laughs) (laughs) Dead serious. My grandfather had just passed away that week. And it was when the uh, Jack Lemon's uh, or yeah, Jack Lemon's father died. Like mm-hmm. the old old guy, yeah. And uh, I just started which, crying. I was like twelve or thirteen. Or I was no thirteen or fourteen. This Burgess and Meredith, right? I think so. That sounds about right. Okay. Um, and I've just started crying. I'm like, what the hell? I've never done this before. And then, yeah. <laughs> Zach, how about yourself? Well, mascot of the uh, pod, Zaph Odd Beaver Bronx coming off. I'm, I'm trying to remember first. Um, I might be one of those. Uh, Lion King kids who saw that in theater and cried. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, there's there's a lot of movies that at least get me misty-eyed. Few that have made me really ball, but I always love a good good movie that'll make you cry. And you know, we're about to talk about one that left my face wet. Yeah. Uh, For me, the first one I specifically remember crying at was Saving Private Ryan. Fair. Yeah. Which. Which is also the answer to my next question. Which movie makes you cry the most? <laughs> Wrath of Khan. Hmm. Ooh, good answer. Every time. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, oh, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, I lied. Um, anything Carrie Fisher's in, apparently. Oh. Literally, anytime hmm. I see Carrie Fisher, I cry. Even the burbs? <laughs> Even the burbs. <laughs> if I see her, I start to cry. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like we, uh, me and Jaylee watched uh, um, episode seven uh, about a week ago. Okay. And she had never seen it. And it was just when you first see her and I just started crying. I'm just like, oh my God. Do, do, do me a favor. Like, do me a favor. Watch that one episode of 30 Rock she's on and see if this is a, a thing. <laughs> I will. <laughs> like, <laughs> Zach. Uh, I'm going to pick the low hanging fruit here. And I'm one of those people who. I lose it every time with the notebook. I know people will roll their eyes, but I <laughs> no because yeah. it was made to do that. That's the <laughs> yeah. point of that yeah. movie. Yeah. Gosh. The first time I watched that with my wife when we weren't married yet, but <laughs> sat there. And <laughs> the whole <laughs> not dripping, can't breathe kind of. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. And what movie has made you cry the hardest? Like Saving Private Ryan makes me cry more times. Okay. But most, a lot of those are just kind of like in your chest kind of cries, but it doesn't make me like sob. Yeah. Oh, man. And it could be a well, happy cry. It could be I a sad cry. I may have to switch, go back and say the notebook for that, but uh, because that was a disgusting hard cry. But. So what okay. makes me cry the I mean Saving Private Ryan was my answer for the first two. So, you know, if it's mm-hmm. if the notebook is your answer for the last well, two I think I always lose it at a scene in um City of God. Um Ooh. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it, but the character with glasses who 
there's a scene where he's killed and he was just such a good, vibrant, innocent character. And I might lose every time with that. that that's one of my favorite movies, though. It's so good. Um, so I preface this with even before I came, became a father. Pet mm. Cemetery. Okay. Dude, when that yeah. kid gets hit. Yeah. Yo. Good old Gage yo. Creed. Dude, I'm sorry. Like, yeah. even thinking about it I, just makes me. I've only seen that movie one time and I can't really stand to watch it again. I, I don't know. But partly because of yeah. it. Don't read the book then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> the book is way, way, yeah. way worse for you. Uh, for me, it's uh, the Martin Scorsese film oh. Hugo. No, yeah, those. Okay. I mean, God, you're such a cinephile. I swear to God. <laughs> it it hits me in the right the right spots throughout the entire movie and when uh Ben Kingsley adopts him at the end, I just lose it every single time. I'm tearing up now. The first time I went and saw the film, I went and saw it with Leanne and like you said, it was before we had gotten married. And the movie ended and I turned to her with tears in my eyes, tried to say the phrase, that film was incredibly beautiful. I think I made it about halfway through and just started crying Man. again. <laughs> I, I will say, though, one of the roughest situations I've ever been in was in a theater of crying men, crying military men. When they got when we got at Fort Rucker, Alabama, a uh, early preview of Black Hawk Down. Mm. Oh, these was a theater filled with helicopter pilots. They knew yeah. those guys. The theater was a mess. I bet. So uh, that, look, like, that was the roughest time I've ever like been seen a movie. My dad, military man. Only time I remember ever seeing him cry in a movie was we were soldiers. Mm. Oof. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned um, Saving Private Ryan. I think not to out my father-in-law here, but I think uh, Caitlin said that was one of the few times she ever seen him cry was with that movie. Well, okay. let's talk about this movie. you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. And I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week? Jonathan. I hate proving you guys right. I hate proving you guys right so fucking much. <laughs> Fuck. I forgot to write the synopsis. Give me a second here. <laughs> I put it in the group. I know you did. I know you did. And somebody said, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Zach. I'm sorry. You're fine. I see Trav. Trav, I see it. <laughs> Something Birch. Ooh, nice. Uh, this time we are watching Mrs. Miniver. It's a film about a British family and the township they live in as the world is thrown into war once again. Once again. Indeed. Again. 
So we finally made it. We're in World War II. Yep. Yeah. Awful, awful thing that happened to the world. Again. Again. Oh, shit. You finally feel like you're not going to be talking about war movies all the time, and here we go. (laughs) I don't know about this whole Earth experiment. Yeah, I I think it's kind of uh, lived its course. We can get rid of it now. It's reset. Uh, Was this everybody's first time seeing the film? Yep. Yes, this is another one which I've owned on DVD for years. I found a copy at Big Lots for $1.50. Now I finally (laughs) watched it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I love William Wyler, I had never seen this film before. Mm. And seen Mm. a lot of the other stuff and... You know, we got a lot of stuff coming up that we'll be talking about of his, and this is a a shocking omission from my best picture list. Yeah, I think um, you know we'll we'll talk more about that, but I think this is really slept on. I like, you know, I really yeah, I can't believe this know. is this isn't talked about all the time everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, we'll get to that. Yep. But first, we have an Oscar breakdown. Yes. All right. So, 1942 Academy Awards, Mrs. Miniver is nominated for the most awards at 12 and walks away with six. Havsies? Yeah. Um, Havsies. <laughs> nothing, <clears throat> nothing too dramatic to talk about at the, uh, the ceremony. It's just a, a real red, white, and blue banner kind of year. Hey, something we forgot to bring up last week was uh, who was the host last uh, year? Oh, yes, we did. All right. So did we do 1940 when it was Walter Wanger, Academy president? Yes. Okay. All right. So 1941, our host was Bob Hope. Yay! For his second time. And uh, you might be really shocked to learn that in 1942, the host was Bob Hope. For his <laughs> Some uh, hope in dark times. Boo. No, I love that. No, no, keep that. <laughs> that made me happy. Um, okay, so uh, Mrs. Miniver, of course, takes Best Picture. Uh, Sydney Franklin gets uh, the award for that. 49th Parallel, King's Row, The Magnificent Ambersons, the Orson Welles film, The Pied Piper. Pride of the Yankees, which is an amazing film, uh, Random Harvest, Talk of the Town, Wake Island, and the ever-beautiful Yankee Doodle Dandy all get nominated against it and lose. That fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. It's a really good movie. It's just what? not a good movie for the reason it should be good. <laughs> I do not think that movie is good at all. I think you need to rewatch it. Oh, I can't. Well, I mean, I should, but I don't know if I can. <laughs> I, no. All right. So William Wyler picks up Best Director for Mrs. Miniver. So it takes the top two prizes. Uh, Jonathan will be happy to know that Walter Pigeon gets nominated for Mrs. Miniver, but loses to James Cagney for Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, Greer Garson wins for best actress for Mrs. Good. Miniver as and she should have as she should have. 
I also think Walter Pigeon should have won, but they wanted to give it to James Cagney for Yankee Doodle Dandy because <laughs> Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mm. Um, no, the Yankee Doodle yeah. didn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of surprised Gary Cooper didn't win that weird year, but I mean, it's been a little while since I've rewatched it, but I just remember him being so good in that. And um, probably the Yankees, Pride yeah. The Yankees. But uh, Gary Cooper just picked up one, was it the year before for uh, yeah, for Sergeant York? So, oh, that's right, that's right, yep. So, considering that uh, it was Spencer Tracy and then won't happen again until Tom Hanks, that one back-to-back actor Oscars. We're not going to be seeing that repeating at any point. Yeah. Um, too soon, at least. Uh, Greer Garson beats out uh, perennial favorite Betty Davis and Catherine Hepburn. For so many awesome reasons. Yeah. God, she's, she's so good. She's like, so just, good in this movie. Mrs. Miniver gets nominated for Best Supporting Actor, Henry Travers, for James Ballard. And loses to Johnny Eager for Van Heflin. Uh, Mrs. Miniver gets nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actress for Dame May Whitty, who played Lady Belden. Yeah. yeah. And she loses to Teresa Wright for Mrs. Miniver playing Carol Belden. Hmm. Yeah, they were both really good. Yeah, yeah. they were both really good. And I believe that this is the first film to be nominated. Uh, it's the second film to be nominated in all four acting categories and the first film to garner five nominations for acting. Mm. Nice. Okay. Uh, best original screenplay goes to woman of the year. Best screenplay goes to Mrs. Miniver. So uh, it was based on Mrs. Miniver newspaper columns. Oh. If you didn't catch that. Yeah. And best original motion picture story goes to 49th parallel. Now, mm-hmm. our second year of uh, Best Documentary ends in a four-way tie. Wow. That four-way tie goes to the United States Navy for the Battle of Midway, the Australian mm-hmm. News and Information Bureau for Kokoda Frontline, Art Kino for Moscow Strikes Back, and the U.S. The US Army Special Services for Prelude to War. Good Lord. Yeah, there's a lot more of that throughout yeah. the category. And um, I guess I'll break into this right now. Walt Disney Oscar watch. <laughs> Walt Disney gets nominated for his first best documentary award uh, for the grain that built a hemisphere, of course, losing to the other four films that we have just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, he, though he does walk away empty handed in that category. He of course goes on to win Best short subject cartoon for Der Führer's Face, a film that uh, became very infamous for Donald Duck dressing as a Nazi. Mm -hmm. But, Mm. of course, he ends up fighting the Nazis in the cartoon. Sure. Uh, So that wins best short subject. Uh, He is not nominated a second time in that category, unlike many, many other years. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, best live action short subject one reel goes to speaking of animals and their families. <laughs> okay. <laughs> best live action short subject two reel goes to beyond the line of duty. Uh, best scoring of okay. So last year it was best scoring of a dramatic picture and best scoring of a musical picture. This year they have. Ah! 
<laughs> Sorry, I just I hear the edit that makes me laugh every time now. Um, best scoring of dramatic or comedy picture now goes to Now Voyager, and best scoring of a musical picture goes to Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Um, best song. Would anybody like to guess what the best original song of 1942 was? I've been following along, so I can't guess. Oh, okay. Um, is it Yankee Doodle Dandy? No, it is actually <laughs> White Christmas by Irving Berlin. Oh, okay. From the film Holiday Inn. Lovely. Although I um, want to hear this song, Hell's a Poppin' by Pigfoot Pete. <laughs> no, uh, Pigfoot Pete is the name of the song, and it's from oh. Hell's a Poppin'. Oh, okay. That's just an awesome title. Yeah, there's a better version of a film called Hell's a Poppin' with a black cast. Okay. And it, and it has some of the most righteous swing dancing you will ever see. Nice. Sweet. I'm I'm not even joking. When you listen to this or when you finish when we finish recording, look up Hell's a Poppin'. Hell's a Poppin'. Just, just the All dance right. sequences. Gotcha. All right. Best sound recording goes to Yankee Doodle Dandy uh, beating out Mrs. Miniver. Like it didn't even like really. God, that. Yeah. Like when they're bunkered down, the first thing that I thought of was like, damn, this sounds amazing. Yeah. Like. mm, Yeah. uh, Yeah, it did. (laughs) That's a Yankee Doodle Dandy does have a good sound recording, though. Of of all the things that has good sound recording, like you got to give it to it. You're gonna rewatch that film. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you say nice things about it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Best art direction interior black and white goes to this above all. Uh, Does not. That's not fair. When you have a title like that, they can. (laughs) (laughs) You think it would have gotten nominated for more stuff? Um. Best Art Direction Interior Decoration Color goes to My Gal Sal. Best Cinematography Black and White goes to Mrs. Miniver. And who, boy, did it deserve it. Mm. This is a gorgeous-looking film. Yeah, it is. Uh, Best Cinematography Color goes to The Black Swan. Best Film Editing goes to Pride of the Yankees over Mrs. Miniver. And finally, Best Special Effects goes to Reap the Wild Wind. Nice. That is such a cool title. Oh, it's got John Wayne in it. Okay. Nice. Uh, and it's a Cecil B. DeMille film. Okay. I'm going to watch this movie. I'm going to punch that into Just Watch, the Just Watch app, who should sponsor us. And, uh, and I'm going to find out if that's playing anywhere. Reap the Wild Wind. It is not available on any streaming services. Damn it, Martin uh, Brooks. Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right. We'll figure it out. All right. Our honorary awards go to Charles Boyer for his progressive cultural achievement in establishing the French Research Foundation in Los Angeles as a source of reference for the Hollywood motion picture industry. Hot shit. Yeah, boy. Uh, Noel Coward, the playwright, who, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, wrote the play that... There's music in Cavalcade, was it? Cavalcade, thank you, uh, was based on. Uh, for his outstanding production achievement in in which we serve, which was a British patriotic war film directed by Noel Coward and the great David Lean. Oh yes. 
Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer gets an honorary award for its achievement in representing the American way of life in the production of the Andy Hardy series of films. Okay. And finally, our Irving G. Thalberg Award for the night goes to Sidney Franklin, who produced Mrs. Miniver and Random Harvest, of course, both nominated for Outstanding Motion Picture. Not to be confused with Random Hearts starring Harrison Ford. No. No. <laughs> Not to be confused with Kingdom Hearts starring Haley Joel Osment. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, should I say wild hearts can't be broken? Mm-hmm. Or is that too deep a reference? I think I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of you have seen the film wild hearts can't be broken. No, I don't think I have. It's a, I've seen. It's about wild a wild at heart. It's about a girl. That's a horse diver. I'm sorry. Horse a diver. <laughs> she dives off of platforms on a horse. Okay. Where does the horse go <laughs> into the water with her? <laughs> Is the horse okay? Yes. <laughs> they just have like a just pile of expendable horses for every <laughs> So anyway, she does horse diving and then she goes blind. So then she has to do blind <laughs> horse diving. She goes this blind because of the horse diving. This oh is a real God. movie. <laughs> so now immediately I'm kind of running through like this girl just riding on SJP's back, diving off of diving boards. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wild hearts can't be broken. Oh, it's Matthew Broderick playing the girl. <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't believe you guys ever heard of this movie. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, Zach's just got his notepad next to him every week. Just writing in all the, Goofy ass movies that Paul keeps talking about. <laughs> I didn't watch Ball of Fire yet, damn it. Oh yeah, I need to watch Ball of Fire. Okay. So that's our that's our Oscar breakdown. Okay. All right. <sighs> so does this movie hit the Library of Congress? Uh yes, this movie is in the National Film Registry. Would you like to guess Good. where? Mm-hmm. When? Ninety-nine. Ninety-seven. Two thousand and nine. Ooh. All right. The disrespect. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, so here's a list of films from 1942 that get into the National Film Registry, and I have I'm to start this. Be pissed off that Yankee Doodle Dandy got in well before this. <laughs> I will let you know when I get to it because <laughs> it is in. Um, I have to start this out with a note. Neither of you are going to be shocked that Casablanca is, of course, in the National Film Registry. Yeah. Mm. So Nash, Casablanca goes in as a film from 1942 because apparently Casablanca got a rushed premiere at the end of 1942 because there was a uh, siege on northern Africa and they wanted to capitalize on that. Good Lord. Well, so, OK, so Holly, so. Uh, whichever studio Warner brothers, I guess put it out. Uh, it was like quick, just make the premiere like next week <laughs> because we, we want people to be excited about this movie. And since I guess it was good news from the war front that they had taken Northern Africa, 
they're like, let's let's get this out before this film's not relevant anymore. Yeah. Uh, so they do a premiere in 1942, but it's not officially released in theaters until 1943. So it is ineligible for Oscars until 1943. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for. I was a little confused because I was like googling 1942 movies and it was like Casablanca's coming up here. What's going on? Yeah. yeah, and so now I know. And I had always remembered seeing 42 next to Casablanca's name. So yeah. when we mentioned that, I was like, oh, cool. Next week's going to be Casablanca. That I looked at as like, Mrs. Miniver. <laughs> <laughs> so it confused me as well. All right. So <clears throat> 1942 films that go in are Bambi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cat, Cat People, which rules. Uh, Jam Session, which is a short subject film. Oh. And it's about Duke Ellington. Oh, I want to check that oh, out. Yeah. Uh, the Magnificent Ambersons. Uh, okay. Mrs. Miniver, Now Voyager. Road to Morocco, the Bob Hope film. Uh, to Be or Not to Be, which uh, is a good film, but I actually prefer the Mel Brooks remake. Huh. Which is kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. Uh, Tulips Shall Grow, an animated short subject. Woman of the Year and Yankee Doodle Dandy. All right, Jonathan, are you ready to guess when Yankee Doodle Dandy won it? God, if it went in at 89, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> it, it did not. Okay, 92. Zach, do you want to try? Uh, 94. 93. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Split the difference. <laughs> went in 16 years before Mrs. Miniver. Just... Which does seem very disrespectful. Very <laughs> disrespectful. Right. So let's go ahead. Let's talk <sighs> about this movie, man. Let's talk I, about this movie. Holy crap. In your heart to me. So let me start with this one here. So we had we had our little cold open there talking about the movies that we cried to. And boy, was there a reason for that one. The ending of this movie just wrecks you. So much. There are. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and say spoiler warnings because I don't think we can't not talk about no, it. No, everything it, about so this it, is. It's old movie, but if you haven't seen it, which most people probably haven't, because like I said, it's underrated and underknown. Yeah. So yeah, spoiler warnings. Here we go. Shocks. So, um, so when the the girl dies, I wasn't <laughs> struck as hard. Like it sucked, and I was like, "Man, that's rough." My my biggest problem with that moment is I I knew it was going to happen. Well, so I was expecting the sun to be in the plane, and then when she got hit, I was hoping the sun was in the plane. Like I felt terrible about that. I'm like, God, let this dude be dead too. Yeah, but I, yeah, I they made such a big deal about the two, the the son and the father dying in their separate excursions earlier in the film. Yeah. Like it's such a tense moment wondering whether or not they were going to die. I was like, they can't die now. Someone else is going to die and it's going to be this girl because they made such a big deal of, uh, the aunt, uh, and her doomed romance. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, having a long life ahead without him and if everything, if he died. So yeah, it was a fair bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. There. They, yeah. and 
and it it's not bad foreshadowing. It's just one of those things that that on, that only served to take me out of that moment because I was steeled against it and I was ready for it. Yeah. The part that made me cry the hardest was it's going to be the same for me. The bombing. No, in the shelter. Uh, So that part was rough. And that's where I think the sound editing should have just been given to them. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't even like the bombing so much as, Oh God, I'm going to have so much, such a hard time with this. The, the little boy saying they almost killed us that time. Yeah. 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 Oh, Toby was so good. Such a good child actor. I'm going to move to him in a minute. Yeah. But while we're at this topic, um, that, yeah, that murdered my feelings forever. Yeah. When they mentioned all the people who died in the second, they said, Mr. Ballard. Yep. I lost it. Lost it. Lost it. Cause, and I'm actually a little upset at myself because I, I have a, a kind of a change of an answer to the cold open there uh, where I cry the hardest is uh, you bow to no one from Return of the King. And Mr. Ballard got that moment and fuck when they said he died. Dude, I just fucking lost. I'm like, no, fuck yeah. you, movie. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I don't even care about the choir boy at all. Like. <laughs> <laughs> kid who knows who that like they is. left the kid an empty seat and the guy the kid next to him even looked at the chair and i'm like that's sad no not the rose guy <laughs> no <laughs> like oh my god and it was just that that like like f plot like just that that small arc that was just kind of going throughout that movie and honestly it's just you really have to think about it was this movie titled for the character or the rose? Uh, I I spent a lot of time wondering that, and it's probably one of those dual meanings. Sure. Because it could be the woman, the rose, and the young Mrs. Minnerman. Sure, yeah, because there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, because this film is so much about the people we leave behind. Uh, yeah. The, the people that we physically leave behind when we go to war and who we spiritually leave behind when we die. And... It's taxing and it's sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you see so little actual violence in this movie. Like the like you see yeah. some of like when the town's on fire and you you hear the bombings and you kind of see a little bit of it, but you but you're really not getting the actual war. Instead, what you're getting is the what is happening because of that war. Yeah. yeah, and I really like that. I, oh, I was. I think they so well like, done. When um, you know the the father goes out in the night and all the boats are together and then they're like Dunkirk and I'm like, oh, yo, shit, the second I heard that. Dunkirk, I'm like, fuck. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so, full disclosure, uh, I I got an upper res- respiratory infection early in the week and I tried to watch this film while very sick. And uh, fell asleep. asleep. Yep. <laughs> I fell asleep at one point because I I tend to want to be engrossed in things, and when I get really engrossed in something, that's when I fall asleep. Uh, yeah. And so I fell asleep, and I woke up to the siren of the battleship rolling up to all the boats. Mm-hmm. And so oh. the, the Dunkirk thing was kind of ruined for me when I went back for it. <laughs> 
Because yeah. I woke up and there's this battleship and there's a bunch of tiny boats. I'm like, oh, we're doing Dunkirk. How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I kind of want to move away from the sadness a little bit because there's a couple of amazing moments of comedy in this movie. Mm-hmm. That um, I had brought this up. Uh, my new favorite uh, quote is in this movie from the movies we've talked about. Right. Um, so the uh, Mr. Miniver had said, what did you do? Give him tea? And just Mrs. Miniver, without skipping a beat, milk. Just <laughs> cracked the fuck up. So reference to that, a uh, a German pilot makes his way into their home while the husband is away doing Dunkirk. Just doing Dunkirk things. He's doing Dunkirk. Dunkirk. And uh, takes her takes her hostage until he uh, he's very injured and his injuries cause him to pass out and she gets the upper hand and uh, while she is being held hostage by him, she feeds him and gives him milk because he's asking for it. And <laughs> yeah, so uh, was it the maid lets it slip that the German pilot? She's yeah, like, we, we don't have any ham because you fed it all to the German pilot. <laughs> He's like, what? Wait, what? What German pilot? What, what, what? Oh, and Walter <laughs> Pigeon's so good. Oh, oh my god! So good uh, so, yes. And I want to get into that in a second as well. But there's one other comedic moment that also makes Toby my favorite character that we've talked about before. Okay. <laughs> because when they go, I don't know if you guys caught this, but it was so subtle and just amazing. They're looking at the wreckage of the kid's room, and right before they cut away, you just hear Toby go, <laughs> just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I, I this kid is amazing. Like, he spends I, so much time going, is the war over? No. Good. <laughs> yeah. He's got probably my favorite line of the film, which was when the mom's talking about someone going through a phase. And he's like, do I go through phases? She's like, yes, you do. Am I going through one now? Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm going through a phase. Toby is so amazing in this movie. Like, I just, I loved him. Like, it was just, I don't know if they did it on purpose. I don't know if it was intended to be comedy but it was at least that kind of levity, a little bit to kind of I, pull away that tension. I was going to say, I think the yeah. beauty of it is that it it's supposed to show that kids are resilient and can yeah. can make light and joy out of any situation. And they are the joy and the light that we should be protecting. Right. So that when they're almost bombed and he says the line that made me cry so hard, it's supposed <laughs> to break your heart so much more because... Yeah. It, they yeah. suddenly are brought into this world of shit that we have built for them. And it's, it's devastating. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. The just, oh, go ahead, Zach. the family dynamic here is, is beautiful. It's another, I know Jonathan didn't really um, feel it much with how green is my, or was my Valley. Yeah. Uh, but back to back, I feel like we've, had two lovely families but maybe even more so here it's uh, like so that was actually the next thing i was going to bring up the chemistry yeah between greer garson and walter pigeon in this movie was amazing oh uh, just nice. like <laughs> beyond amazing like i would have said this is actually a married couple 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I saw that apparently they end up doing like nine movies together, which no yeah. surprise. And this is only the second. Yeah, yeah. Like it just, they are so well done, the back and forth between them. <laughs> and it's just, and you, you, you feel that the love between the two and then, you know, being, you know, although Walter Pigeon doesn't do British very well, you still feel that British kind of waspiness to them. Yeah. Where you're just like, they love each other and it's not shown so much, but you, God, you feel it. Like you absolutely feel it between the two of them. Yeah. yeah. I'm chuckling here. Thinking about him smacking her on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So like when I had, I had posted in our Facebook message, it's like new favorite line. Would you feed him or would you give him make or make him tea milk? And then she bends over to pick something up and he just slaps her on the ass and goes, milk. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, just, yeah, like I said, the, the chemistry and the, the family dynamic is just so well done. Like, yeah, I didn't know what I was getting again with this movie, not seeing it. Um, and even when it came to, uh, oh, Vin, uh, I was like, oh, this pretentious little shit comes back as a freshman in school and he's going to know everything. And is this what this movie's going to be about is he's going to start showing it. Oh, it's a war movie. Okay. <laughs> We're doing war. <laughs> We're doing war. Um, and then I actually started to like, all right, I really like what they're doing with this character because you can see him kind of grow up and getting, you know, that, that love between him and, uh, uh, Carol, Carol. Thank you. Uh, you start to see that grow there too. And just like, this is just so well done. Like you don't see this kind of chemistry in multiple couples. Right. Yeah. Very often in movies. So just again, God, this movie was so good. It really is. Like I, I have a hard time even thinking of anything wrong, bad to say about it. There's, it's beautiful to look at. It's yeah. done yeah. really well. The war sequences, like when they're standing out and watching the, the bombing from far away is so good. So gorgeous. Can't yeah, think of anything. It, I don't like about it, this film. Th- yeah. There, I, th- I really do think this is a nearly perfect film. There's a couple of things that kind of go mm, sign of the times, like very like the way he, when he came back from Dunkirk where he's just like, I wouldn't have missed that for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, mm. I, I don't know that I, I feel that completely. I mean, when, Dunkirk is to British people the way that, you know, I, I can't even think of something from World War II that that even stacks up for us because yeah, it sure. was this this moment where all of these men who were not going to be able to go fight for their country, all these men who are sitting to have to listen to bombing night after night get to be heroes And it is spoken of in that way in that country. Like the fact that we had only really heard of Dunkirk in the States when Christopher Nolan does a movie about it. Yeah. This is, this is their moment. And to not be a part of that, to, to have wanted to stay home and not done anything was just looked upon, would have been looked upon very, very sourly. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I so, just, for me, I mean, it just it kind of like I and I can get that. I just feel like uh, it, it came off a little too much. Like I had a good time. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I, I can see that, but um, probably probably more in the line reading than it than it was the intention, and, and, and that's exactly but, what I think it was. Yeah. You know, Mrs. Minerva looks at him like, "Really? Did you just say that?" And then she just kind of, and that's know, where I think she was head. perfect in every way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> every way. Yeah, like uh, I, that's why, like, I was very back and forth. Like, this is this movie titled for her because. She may not be the center focus. It is the there is no one person who is a center focus in this movie. It is literally yeah. about the family and then the town of it. So I I, I just God, she was just so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't Walter think she gets be... to have two beautiful redheaded love interests and two best picture winners in a row. Right. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the the really the only criticisms I've seen like uh, looking at this movie is people slapping the propaganda label on it or whatever. But and, and it is. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it is absolutely propaganda. And you know that's that's one of those that's one of those neutral words that has been talked about so negatively. Yeah. That when you're given propaganda, because I mean the film ends with buy U.S. war bonds. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. And. And it was used as such, like the the final speech of the the preacher, deacon, whatever. Um, yeah, that speech was circulated amongst troops to build morale, and it was used. This film was used by Joseph Goebbels, the the head of Nazi um, media and stuff like that. Uh, the propaganda minister essentially to spread amongst his people and say, this is how you do propaganda, right? Copy this. Yeah. Like that's how, that's how influential this film was in that time. Right. right. um, We're talking about the sadness. I know we did the sadness, but I just wanted to. Oh no, we we cannot not keep coming back to it. (laughs) That, That whole speech as, as, you know, we have so many movies that end with speech scenes in either like a courtroom or a, or a church or something, but just um, the, the eyes, the acting of the eyes in this movie and um, Lady Belden at the end, like holding back her sniffles and oh, her God, eyes yeah. are glassy wet. And Oh God. And when Vin goes to her eyes, just, oh, God. those are what, <laughs> that's what really got me after, as he was reading the names, like you said, Mr. Ballard and looking at them, just, everybody's broken and holding back the tears that are just right there. That's really, really got to me. All right. So Paul, any additional notes you got for us, sir? Um, no, apparently that speech was, uh, was rewritten by William Wyler and the actor on the day because they weren't happy with the way it read originally. So to, to be such a, a big piece of, you know, propaganda going forward, to have been just written on the fly is pretty impressive to me. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> I saw um, two notes that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like there's a sequel to this movie apparently where there's um, marital problems between the Boo-er. I, I don't want to see that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. One of them has an affair or something. It's like, just, I don't uh, know if it's the whole, you know, I understand that you have uh, emotional trauma and stuff after the war, but I don't want to go see them have marital problems. Also, apparently, 
Greer Garson married the guy that played Vin. He wasn't in the sequel partly because of that. They'd been married and divorced by then. So nice. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, I just found this one that uh, onto what uh, you were talking, Paul. Winston Churchill once said that this film has done more for the war effort than a flotilla of destroyers. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah. Wow. Again, surprising that this isn't more talked about. Yeah. Uh, William Wyler goes and signs up for the the U.S. Army immediately after making this film. Yeah, hmm. believe it. All right. So, Paul, I asked you last week um, to start doing some more research for us. Um were there any additional movies in this year that you think should have been nominated? Uh, I don't know. I, I think maybe cat people was the only one I'd maybe put in here above some other things, but like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to keep to doing my like top five of the year that I've seen. And for me, it's, it's pride of the Yankees. It's Mrs. Miniver. It's magnificent Amberson's cat people. And it's a, uh, the greatest film of all time, Yankee Doodle Dandy. God damn it. God damn it. All right. <laughs> I don't know that's actually in my top five, but I just wanted to say it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> all right. It's time for our worsty judgments. Uh, Zach, does this movie deserve best picture? So, um, overall, this is kind of a weird year. The only one that I have seen of the best picture nominees aside from this is pride of the Yankees. Um, I need to actually see Yankee doodle dandy and no, you don't. Uh, I, see, you I see good things about the magnificent Ambersons. Um, so, but based on my knowledge, uh, I love this movie anyway. Um, so I'm going to say, yes, it deserved best picture. All right. Um, I'm, I'm with you. And the fact that I haven't seen any of the other movies. Uh, at least I'm with you in the fact that yes, this does deserve best picture. And I honestly keep a, uh, just real quick. I keep kept hearing you guys say the magnificent ampersands for some strange reason. <laughs> ampersands. <laughs> <laughs> we go back like, like ampersands. Okay. Got it. What is this? Uh, why the last man? <laughs> I love why the last oh, man. It's so it's good. Such a good comic. I got a, I got two hardback collections up there on that shelf. Nice. Yeah, man. All right, Paul, does this movie deserve Best Picture? Um, okay, so I didn't get to watch any of the other films this week because, again, I was very sick, and then Wednesday was not a very good mental health day for me. Um, Black Wednesday. Yeah, uh, so mostly I watched Disney films with my kids this week. Uh, also, what the fuck is The Hunchback in Notre Dame? Bad? <laughs> it's not bad. It's no. weird. No, it's bad. No, Outside it, of I it's weird. <laughs> there are two things that make that movie passable for me. Tony K, who's amazing because that voice is just butter. Um and that one note that the guy hits at the opening okay. at the, the the Bells of Notre Dame. Like I, that one note just I hits do, me perfectly. I do want to talk about this film a little bit more when we finish recording. But okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to get off on that Sure. I just can't get over it. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I started thinking something else. Okay. So, um, 
I've I've seen Magnificent Ambersons. I've seen Pride of the Yankees. I've seen Yankee Duel Dandy. So I haven't seen anything outside of those three that was nominated against this. Um, and I honestly can't believe this film is not talked about in the way that other films of this era are talked about. This film is quite perfect. It definitely deserved Best Picture. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Uh, Paul. Is this the worst best picture? <laughs> Absolutely not. Not in any way, shape, or form. And uh, this is going to, I swear, this isn't going to become a running thing. This is my new favorite. <laughs> I can't believe this movie exists and people didn't show it to me sooner. This movie is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm 100% with you, except it's not my new favorite. But it is my new number two. This beat out Wings. So nice. Wings is now, Hooray Bubbles has hit number three because of milk. So, but I, I'm also the kind of person who I enjoy to be happy when I watch a movie and you can't take it with you, can't be beat yet. So, yep. Um, so yeah. So Mrs. Minifer has made my number two. Zach, is this the worst best picture? No. And also, it might be my new favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I rate on a hundred point scale on Critiker, and I think I gave this one point more than um, uh, whatever my top one was previously. Oh. Yeah, uh, my uh, top five are kind of like on rotating jumble, but this one squeaked them out. It's, yeah. It really was so good. And like I watched it by myself, and I was like, uh, afterwards, I told my wife the next day, I was like, hey, this is really good. We're going to have to watch this again together. Nice. Awesome movie. Everybody should see it. Seriously. Like, actually, I really hope if anything else so far from this podcast, we get people to watch this movie a little bit more than it's been seen because it's I've never heard of it. And we've had a few where I haven't heard of it, obviously, because I'm a filthy casual. But when even Paul hasn't seen this movie, then we know that it's just not been in front of enough eyes. So yeah, go and, see this movie. Seriously. And, and I, I had heard it was a good movie, but of course it wins best picture. One of those ones that just never seemed like the important one to do. And I, I'm so happy. I saw this. Uh, yeah. Also currently my top five on uh letterboxd all have five stars. Thanks to this movie. So nice. Beautiful. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. You can find me streaming the video games at twitch.tv slash Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me on the aforementioned Critiker at uh, my username is Zach Master spelled with an X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, where I post my short movie reviews. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and letterboxd.com. At Father of the Fear across all platforms because I finally got with it. And what are yeah. we watching next week, Zach? Next week we are watching Casablanca, which you can find on Amazon, Voodoo, iTunes, YouTube, or HBO Max. All right. All the options. Oh, I'm so excited for next week. Oh, yes. I'm watching that tomorrow. <laughs> all right. We'd like to thank Trad from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. 
You can follow the show on Twitter at OscarWorstyPod and on Facebook at The Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review, preferably five stars, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher because it really helps us to get seen in the almighty algorithm. For Jonathan and Zach, I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.